0: What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Georgia loses one of their running backs for the season, while LSU loses a defensive starter for Week 1 against FSU. Also, we'll start to preview the SEC's Week 0 game with Vanderbilt against Hawaii. We'll catch up with the voice of the Commodores, Andrew Allegretta. Locked on SEC starts right now. Your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Remember, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, we got plenty to jump into. Let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to
1: the right. <laughs> Takes the handle. And what
0: a catch! Around the conference, and we start over at LSU as some big news came out last night as. Star defensive tackle Mason Smith will not play in LSU's opener September 3rd against Florida State. According to multiple sources, he received a one-game NCAA suspension. According to the reports, uh, the NCAA determined Smith received an improper benefit, and although Smith cooperated with the investigation, the NCAA ruled him out for the first game. He can return a week two for the home opener against Grambling. I'm Mason Smith. I'm going. Hey, can I can I sit out Week Two against Grambling and not Week One against FSU? Uh, but without Mason Smith, LSU is going to miss one of its best defensive players uh, in the top ten matchup. I mean, this is a top ten matchup between LSU and Florida State, and LSU without one of their best players. And Mason Smith was dealing with some injuries throughout training camp or preseason camp, rather, uh, and looked like he was ready to go this year. Uh, remember last year in this very game, he suffered that torn ACL like just a couple minutes into the first quarter and missed the entire rest of the season. And I was going back and looking at some of those plays when he was in. I mean, it, first play of the game, I think LSU had a sack and then a bunch of uh, tackles for loss on Florida State. As soon as he went out, it changed. Florida State started going up and down the field and scoring. Uh, but Mason Smith, former five-star recruit, was, you know, an impact player two years ago as a freshman. At four sacks, five tackles for a loss as a freshman a couple years ago, and now LSU going to be without him. They're going to have to rely on Makai Wingo. He's a really good one on the interior of that line. And then their junior, Jacoby and Guillory, and transfer from West Virginia, Jordan Jefferson. Ironic name there uh, for those who remember the old LSU quarterback. But – It stinks for LSU fans, it stinks for Mason Smith, and my question is, what what was the violation? And I'm sure we'll find this out, maybe by the time you're listening to this, we'll have the details on it, but in this day and age of NIL, I mean, do we even have improper benefits anymore, like, would somebody give him a car, somebody paid him for something, like, this is what NIL is supposed to back, like, stop from happening, and like, why is the NCAA even still looking into this kind of stuff, but... Anyway, tough news there for LSU fans. They're going to have to find a way to beat Florida State week one without one of their best defensive players. They've got the depth. they got some pieces, so we'll see if they can do it. One quick other LSU note. Brian Kelly talking earlier this week about offensive lineman, freshman Lance Hurd making an impact already, competing with some of those starters in there. And uh, he's 6'6", six six, 340 pounds, is the number two player of the state of Louisiana, and – He's having an impact already. So uh, I would expect Lance Hurd's going to maybe not start for LSU in the O-line, but push for some playing time this year and maybe have an impact there. But we'll see LSU take on Florida State a week from Sunday out in Orlando. The other big news coming out last night or yesterday, Georgia running back Branson Robinson going to miss the entire season, suffering a ruptured patella. Kirby Smart saying it happened in a non-contact injury Ruptured patella tendon. Kirby said, I hate it for Branson. It worked really hard, had a great summer, looked really good leading up to this injury. It is a blow to that Georgia running back room that, you know, look, Kendall Milton has been dealing with hamstring tightness throughout this camp. And Robinson was coming in a year two at the Bulldogs, had a strong freshman season, 330 rushing yards, three touchdowns. And he was like Georgia's like fourth back last year expecting to see a bigger role this year. We know Georgia likes to do the running back by committee thing. They like to rotate, keep fresh legs coming at you. And they've still got a talented room, don't get me wrong. Dejon Edwards back there, uh, some younger guys in Roderick Robinson and Andrew Paul. And you know, Dejon Edwards was, is Georgia's leading returning rusher from a year ago, where he had almost 800 rushing yards and 7 touchdowns. Kendall Milton had close to 600 with 8 rushing touchdowns. So You know, if Kendall Milton's ready to go, Milton, Edwards, Robinson, Paul, they're going to be fine. Um, Roderick Robinson, rather, but losing Branson Robinson stinks. I liked watching Branson Robinson run last year, and uh, they're going to be without him for the rest of the year. So tough news there, but again, the good news for George is they got a deep roster. They're loaded at every – they are like five deep at every spot. So, uh, you know, they may just have to lean on some guys. Rather than rotating as much, maybe they ride – Dajon Edwards for you know a couple of extra drives this year or something like that. So they'll definitely need guys to pick up the slack but also start to get a little limited now. No one can't afford any more injuries in that running back room. So we'll see. Over at Alabama, Nick Saban continuing to go through his quarterback battle and talked about it with the media this week said quote, I told the quarterbacks, hey, quit looking around for me to make a decision. One of you is going to play. How about you playing good enough that I'll have a choice. That's what you can control. That's what you can do, and somebody needs to do that. And look, we're starting to see or hear rumblings that Jalen Milrow may be pushing himself up to that spot for QB1, but Saban also said whoever's named the starter for the first game may not be the starter for the, for the rest of the season. Uh, I think they'll play both Milrow and Ty Simpson in that Week 1 game, and if one looks better than the other, that guy will probably start Week 2 against Texas. But... Uh, Seems like Tyler Buckner may be out of the race here, but you never know. We'll keep tracking it and see if Nick Saban eventually. I think next week probably comes out and says Jalen Milrow will start against Middle Tennessee. But again, nothing guaranteed there. Over in South Carolina, Shane Beamer and company. Shane made a big hire this offseason as a new OC, bringing in Dole Loggins. Logan's talking with the media this week about his quarterback, Spencer Radler, and having more freedom when it comes to play calling. Logan said, look, it's a guts thing. It's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to change the play at the line. It's one thing to say it in the quarterback room or the media room, but it's another thing to go and do it. It takes guts to do that in front of your team and, the, and all the other guys in the huddle. you got to be able to give them enough leash and reel them back in sometimes. So we'll see what kind of freedom Spencer Rattler has this year. He's played a lot of football this years at Oklahoma and now at South Carolina. Uh, they'll take on North Carolina next Saturday night on uh, ABC. Over at Auburn, we know that uh, Peyton Thorne was named the starting quarterback over at Auburn a couple days ago, and Peyton Thorne was talking with the media this week about his decision to transfer. He said, look, it happened quickly. If you'd asked me A week before I committed or a week before I got in the portal if I was transferring, I would have been like, what are you talking about? But he said once he got in the portal, talking with Coach Freeze and the Auburn coaches, he called it a no-brainer to come to Auburn. So Thorn will help to lead this Auburn offense against UMass next Saturday afternoon on ESPN. One more Georgia note here. Uh, Carson Beck was at the podium and he was asked about uh, winning the starting quarterback job and why he stuck this thing out. Talented quarterback, could have hit the transfer portal the last couple of years. He said, to me, it was the camaraderie that we had, the connection we have at Georgia's Unmatched. I can't compare it to other places because I haven't been anywhere else, but from people who have been to other places, it's something we strive to have here. I think each and every one of us has our own pressures and pressures to fulfill and whatnot, but uh, that is one of the biggest things that kept me here, the camaraderie. So we will see Carson Beck out on the football field here next weekend for Georgia. And lastly, Urban Meyer was on the uh, podcast Urban's Take with Tim May, and he was asked about scheduling, and Urban Meyer taking shots at Michigan and Georgia and their non-conference schedules. He said, I think the NCAA should mandate scheduling. When I see Michigan and Georgia's preseason schedule, I just think with this 12-team playoff, if I'm the head coach at Ohio State, I could care less about my preseason schedule, the non-league schedule he's referring to. He said, your object is to get into the playoff. Why would Ohio State play Notre Dame anymore? Why not just schedule a MAC uh, team and, and keep everybody healthy and just keep ripping and roaring and running off wins? It is an interesting take because I've kind of said as much about Georgia and Michigan this year when you look at their schedules. Yeah, LSU's going to play Florida State this week. Why? Why would you even schedule it? You could have scheduled a directional school, pick up an easy W, and just try to run the table, win your few tough games in conference, and, hey, you can make it to the playoff. And that's where I wonder if that might come back to bite Georgia at the end of the year. We're gonna find out. But you know, Georgia not playing a tough non-conference team, will the committee ding them at, at all for that? You know, do you bump them down if we're talking about maybe an LSU's undefeated or something, and you know they beat a top-10 Florida State team week one? You know, the you, you give them more credit for that. I don't know. We'll see. But it is an interesting point, and we'll see if the committee dings those teams down the road. Probably not. We're probably still talking about Georgia and Michigan making the playoff, but we'll get into our predictions and all that next week. Thank you guys so much for making Lockdown SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Andrew Allegretta, voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores. That is coming your way in just a sec. Hey, I want to remind you guys real quick that this episode is presented to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you are in the market for parts, accessories, you want to head over to eBay Motors. They've got the eBay guaranteed fit. They are going to make sure that every part you need fits just right the first time around. You just go to their website, you add your vehicle to the My Garage section, and you look for the green check mark to know that that part will fit your vehicle or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors, and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you're going to be back in the game in no time. After all, easy to take home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So go get the right parts, get the right fit, and get the right prices over at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay, guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply, ebaymotors.com. Mortal right along here, Locked On SEC and... I want to remind you guys, our two part Ultimate College Football preview is live up on our Locked On SEC channel. Uh, I hosted along with all of our different panelists on our Locked On channels, doing all the SEC schools. It's available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, let's jump into it. It's our annual visit with this guy. We've had him on, I think, to start every season the last couple of years, and uh, he is the voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores. And man, they are. Um, they are on the rise, to say the least. The voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores, Andrew Allegretta, joins us now. You can follow him on Twitter, at A. Allegretta. Andrew, welcome in, man. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I take
1: I take the responsibility of being your opening act <laughs> with seriousness. If, if I'm the guy that plays while well, everybody else waits in line to get their beers, find their seats. That's great. I'm totally cool. With
0: <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you, Andrew, like it's actually it's really smart on the part of, of Vanderbilt. Like I I enjoy these week 0 games We've had so many people we've talked to are like, oh my God, counting down the days, can't wait for week zero. Like it it is actually smart on Clark Lee's part to play this game because if this were week three, nobody's tuned in for Vanderbilt Hawaii. But like week zero, you get so many more eyeballs and attention and focus because people we've been in a desert, Andrew. Like we've been starved for football. And so it really is smart for Vanderbilt to like everybody I know watched that 63 point, you know, 10 blowout last year. Like it's a it's a smart game and a smart, you know, smart to schedule week zero.
1: You tell me there's no pizzazz between the doors and the bows. <laughs> uh, I it's funny. Like I've developed an affinity for that program over the past two years because between men's basketball, baseball, and football, we've played them a bunch. <laughs> like, wow. Baseball went out there for a four game set. The men's basketball team went out there for that. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if they call it the the Rainbow Classic or what, whatever they call it. Uh, and then the football team has now played them twice. So I've got a deep affinity uh, for this program. Uh, you know, it's it, it's an interesting kind of two sides of the same coin, I think. Um, I, I think there are probably times when playing week zero is is not super fun for everybody getting ready for the football game. I mean that both from like a logistical standpoint and then also from a football coach's standpoint. I, I I'm I'm glad we'll get all of the extra eyeballs. Um, I think I think we'll all be glad later on down the road when we get that second bye week. It it does it does make for a very clunky month of August. Like everything gets on you really fast, really really fast in the month of August when you play week zero. But if if we walk out of this building on Saturday night with a victory, then you know fix them one half dozen.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and and that's where this team started a year ago. And I want to go back to last season before we look to this season. Uh, I know 2021 was a a brutal year. Clark Lee takes over. Year one was rough. Two and ten overall. Zero and eight in the SEC. And we, you and I talked prior to last season, and you told us, "Look, this team looks much improved from the year prior." You said, "I don't know if they're going to be Georgia," but you said this team looks much improved, much more improved than that two and ten team. And we kind of saw that play out. The team starts three and one out of the gates. You get into a rough patch in the SEC play, three and six. But then something happens, and we see not one but two incredible, uh, incredibly impressive victories in wins over Kentucky and Florida. So a five and seven finish, one win shy of a bowl game. But take me back to those two games. What did you see from the team uh, in pulling off those victories over Kentucky and Florida? I think I saw a
1: team with a sense of self and a sense of identity. Um, I think one of the things that was really, really difficult for the bulk of the season last year is is we did kind of go back and forth between two quarterbacks, which was not really anybody's fault. You had a freshman quarterback in A.J. Swan that, that's a gifted and talented thrower, and he'll be our starting quarterback this season. And then you had a dynamic athlete in Mike Wright who started the game versus Hawaii, but but very much is, is limited in his capacity to be a quarterback. And and through the first chunk of the season, we, we kind of oscillated in, in part because we had some offensive struggles, in part because A.J. got hurt, and, and you just kind of were trying to find your footing. Against Kentucky and against Florida, we figured out who we were. We were a team that needed to control the football. We needed to run the football. We had a very talented running back in Ray Davis who had a fantastic season, more than 1,000 yards, and we made it work through a sense of identity. Uh, I don't know that the identity is going to be exactly the same this year. I, I kind of sense it won't, uh, but, but we, we found our footing. We figured out who, who we are throughout the course of the season, and then we took advantage uh, of a Kentucky team that, that frankly was probably quote-unquote more talented. Then Vanderbilt with Will Levis as the quarterback and Rodriguez as the running back, and they've got dynamic playmakers, and and yet we controlled that game, and and we made the plays um, defensively throughout the course of that ballgame. And then against Florida, uh, I mean, we we went back-to-back. It was honestly kind of a shame that Will Levis didn't get picked in the first round because I wanted I wanted to be able to say it was the first time in history that Vanderbilt beat two first-round quarterbacks <laughs> in the same season uh, because you knock off Levis and Richardson in, in back-to-back games. It, it was a team that, that had an identity and, and believed it, and, and that comes from Clark. He was a very confident head coach, soft-spoken, not rah-rah, but a sturdy sense of self, and,
0: and that came through in those two wins. Yeah, it was just it was fun to watch for a lot of folks. Not not my my wife; she's a Kentucky grad, so she didn't enjoy it very much. But it was just fun to see that Vanderbilt team. That let's be real; I mean, in, in SEC circles, a lot of people just became dismissive of Vanderbilt in recent years, and it's been a tough go. But you know, the pieces we've seen Clark lay or Clark Lee laying around. I mean, it does start to feel like he's built a foundation there, and this thing, t- you know, this team continues to recruit well. And now suddenly, you look. You know, it was funny talking to people at SEC media days. There's a lot of schools saying, "Yeah, we got to take Vanderbilt seriously now. Like, they're this isn't a team you just pencil in a W now. Like, they're coming. They're building something here. And as, as Kentucky and Florida know last year, you cannot uh, take them lightly. Uh, you touched on it with the quarterback. Obviously, Mike Wright, he hits the portal. He heads off to Mississippi State. But you mentioned AJ Swan. This is kind of his team now. Showed some signs as a freshman a year ago. He's back as a sophomore. Uh, I talked with somebody in the program. He says he sees shades of Jay Cutler there. He's not comparing him to Jay Cutler, but he said I see shades of Jay Cutler in AJ Swan. What did you see from Swan this offseason? How much? How much can we expect in his development and growth?
1: Man, that's a big comparison. I, I, I would say I would say Jay has a stronger arm than AJ Swan, and AJ has a very strong arm. It's just you know Jay had something else uh, for his right arm, um, but I do think he has the potential to be one of the better quarterbacks that that Vanderbilt has been able to produce over the course of its of its history. And if there's if there's ever been a position or two where Vanderbilt has had a couple of notable names pop, it's it's been at the quarterback position. Way back in, in the 80s, when Whit Taylor was here, that 1982 team that went eight and four, Whit was an incredible, incredible quarterback. Of course, there's Jake Cutler and you've had a few others that have been able to to knock off uh, really good teams throughout the course of their career. I don't know where he fits in. I know he's got skill set. He's got the size. He's got the look. He is, if he develops appropriately, and this is up to him, and he stays healthy and so on and so forth, he's an NFL quarterback. I'm not saying he's a first or second or third-round NFL quarterback. We'll find out. Time will tell on that. But He's got the size. The moxie, the confidence, the intelligence to be an NFL quarterback. Now it's just a matter of translating it onto the field. And sophomore seasons are going to get more difficult. Like I talked with him specifically about what it means to be a sophomore, and and he told me that the reality is, as a freshman, a lot of times you're just you're working off of your natural abilities, right? Like you have been given a big, strong right arm, so just chuck it. Well, well, teams have now figured you out. The scouting report is more deep and instead of getting a fastball every time you come up to the plate, you're going to get a fastball, a curveball, a slider, and a changeup, and you've got to be able to handle all of that accordingly. That's his
0: next step. Uh, more with Andrew Allegretta in just a second, but this episode is brought to you by Better Help. Sometimes in life we are faced with tough choices, and the path forward is not always clear, whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want, while you navigate life so you can move forward with the confidence and excitement that you desire. If you're looking to, or you're thinking of starting therapy, go give our friends at BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You just go on their website, you fill out a brief questionnaire, that's going to get you matched up with a licensed therapist. Uh, switching therapists at any time for no additional charge is an option as well. Let therapy be your map with Better Help. Go visit them right now. Uh, it's betterhelp.com slash college. You go visit them today, you're going to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp.com slash college. If you've given any thought to therapy, again, uh, different seasons, time of year, uh, people feel certain ways about different things, and sometimes you just need someone to talk to, and that is where BetterHelp is going to get you taken care of. Again, betterhelp.com slash college, Go give them a try today. Continuing our conversation with our buddy Andrew Allegretta, voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores. and Andrew, we were talking a little bit about uh, the offense and particularly the quarterback. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other offensive weapons. We know how good uh, Will Shepard is at wide receiver. Still, in my mind, one of the most underrated receivers in the country, one of the best in the SEC. Uh, him, Quincy Skinner, Jaden McGowan, uh, Justin Ball, Logan Kyle, at tight end. What can we kind of expect from this offense as a whole? I think it's an offense with player makers. I think the biggest
1: thing it's going to have to figure out right away, and it probably can't waste any time, is what the running game looks like. Again, Ray Davis, obviously, off to Kentucky. You've got real talent in that running back room. Patrick Smith is back, but you've got some freshmen. Uh, Pay attention to the name Cedric Alexander. I think he'll be the quote-unquote featured back by the end of the season. Uh, He is a legit running back, and so is A.J. Newberry, who's a freshman. We got some guys that can run the football, but what that looks like, the offensive line getting their confidence, all of that sort of stuff, they don't don't need – I think what's interesting about this team is they don't need any one of those guys to be Ray Davis. They need those guys to help them average four to five yards per carry, take the pressure off of A.J. Swan and the receivers force the defense to give the offense different looks, and they've got enough playmakers across the board at wide receiver that they can do some damage. I mean, it's it's Shepard, it's Skinner, it's Kamarian Carter, and there's freshman Junior Sherrill and London Humphreys, two local kids, and and don't think that that doesn't matter. It matters big time, that that local talent stayed at Vanderbilt. uh, That can be explosive 20, 30 yards down the field. So If the running game gets enough traction, uh, watch out for the passing game.
0: Yeah, I heard uh, the the wide receiver room had gotten so deep they were moving some guys to DB because it was like, hey, the wide receiver room's crowded enough like we got dudes here. Uh, Cedric Alexander, I'm glad you mentioned him because I I watched the spring game and that was a kid that stood out to me and I went, who is this? And I looked, I'm like, wait, this is one of the incoming freshmen. Like, this kid's legit. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think he's the guy But by the end of the year. We're looking back and going, wow, this kid is set up to be in you know, all these preseason watch lists. That's a kid to watch going into 2024. Could be you know, uh, one of the best in the SEC heading down the road. Uh, let's touch on the defense a little bit. We've already heard Darren Agu is not going to play this week. Uh, I like some of the guys back there in the secondary. Uh, DeRicky Wright, Martel Haidt, I know is a guy that has made some noise this offseason. Um, what, what guys jump out to you defensively?
1: You know, I think the position that has jumped out to us the most defensively throughout the course of fall camp has been the defensive line. Uh, so it does hurt that that Agu's unavailable for Vanderbilt. Uh, he'll be back. I, I don't know if it's going to be the A and M game, I don't Alabama A and M, uh, Wake Forest, or UNLV, but he'll be back relatively soon. That was an elbow situation for him. But there is way more depth, and there is way more pressure being applied by that defensive line. And this is this is right back to the same situation with the running back, Vanderbilt. Uh, I was I was just pulling the numbers. I think it was either fifty or fifty-one explosive pass plays allowed a season ago. That that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and there was a few games where they gave up like six or seven to teams that they shouldn't. Like I think they gave up six to Elon or seven to Elon, uh, and and that and that can't happen in, in today's college football people are going to put pressure on you but you've got to keep those explosive pass plays of 20 plus yards down to like you know two or three per game at most otherwise you're going to get torpedoed anyway the point is with the depth of that defensive line and if they can get some pressure on quarterbacks they are not fully formed in the secondary yet they've, they've got they've got to wright as a safety they've got cj taylor at anchor which is that hybrid Linebacker, defensive back position, uh, and they've got Martel Height, a, a freshman that you mentioned at corner, but they're not fully formed there yet. They don't have depth that they need long term at, at, at those positions. They're good, but they're not. They don't. They don't have the depth yet. Uh, so if, if the defensive line can relieve the pressure on the secondary, then you've got again a a, a different situation for this defense. A- and the defensive line has been productive. Again, it's going to get different when we start playing SEC teams in Kentucky and Missouri at the end of September, but from the jump, I do expect expect this team to get way more, way more hits on the quarterback in the first month of the season.
0: Andrew, let's talk a little bit about this week's opponent in Hawaii. Uh, we mentioned Vandy won this game 63 to 10 last year in week zero. Uh, but now they come to Nashville. I know you said a year ago, I mean, it, obviously Hawaii was a, a program in transition. I know you you said a year ago you were having a hard time even getting a depth chart, you know, with some of the guys that they had and, you know, their roster was so in flux. What can we expect in this one? Is Hawaii improved? Is it kind of a little bit of the same where they were a year ago? What can we kind of expect?
1: I mean, I, I expect an improved team, and I, and I do expect um, – a motivated and emotional team, obviously considering what they're going through. Um, it's not their island, but it's still the state, right? It's, it's a very tight knit community out there with the fires in Maui, and one of their, I believe, wide receivers lost four family members in that fire—two um, cousins, and uncle, and an aunt. So they're they're playing for themselves. They're playing for their families, and and that doesn't trump talent when push comes to shove, but but it, it'll mean something for this team throughout the first half of this ball game. Uh, the most notable thing to me is the fact that that uh, Coach Chang is bringing back the run-and-shoot offense, which he helped make famous back in the late 90s with right. June Jones. Uh, so they're bringing that back, and they've got a quarterback in Traeger that yeah, he, was, he was decent last year, not great. They still don't have enough pieces to really probably run that. To the best version of themselves, but that'll be interesting to see how they're able to use that offense uh, this season. They they didn't use it to start. I think they kind of started putting pieces of it in at the end of last year. But but that's an offense that means something to the program, to the state, to the local high schools. I mean, uh, b- between what Chang did and Colt Brennan did, and and the success that they had, that's kind of an identity. And as much as Vanderbilt is kind of return itself to. Clark Lee's version of identity. Coach Chang is trying to do the same thing for Hawaii. So I'll be curious to see exactly how well that translates in the seeds that you can see out of that team. But it, it's still a roster in flux. Uh, it, it's still, it's still a, a, a program that needs its time in recruiting and trying to keep some of the really talented kids on the island to, to stay there and compete there and being more successful in the transfer portal. They, they have not hit that super hard which is which is fine like everyone's gonna have their own sense of recruiting but it's still a program in transition I, I think I don't know what the line is I, I think it's you know 17 and a half or like. yeah or yeah, whatever I, I mean <laughs> I don't I don't know if Vanderbilt will cover or whatever that's not really my territory uh, Vanderbilt on paper still very much is the favorite but uh, you know again with, with a very emotional and motivated team with a new offense and a head coach that that represents the identity of the program. I mean, it's, it's it's the type of program that, that
0: Vanderbilt is building just a season prior. Yeah. And, and we should mention, I mean, betting lines in week zero, you might as well throw a dart at a dartboard mm-hmm. blindfolded. I mean, nobody has any idea what to expect out of these teams until right. we see right. them play a game. And, and I should mention also uh, Vanderbilt announcing, you know, they're going to donate proceeds of, uh, you know, ticket sales to the relief fund uh, for the Maui wildfires and all that. And uh, tremendous, Uh, cause you know it's one of those things where you look at this game and oh how fun it must have been to go to Hawaii last year and they come back here and all that kind of goes into perspective now when you when something like this happens and you know you get to play a team like this last thing I had for you Andrew and look there's been so much I'll just say crap out there on the internet of internet rumors on pictures of the Vanderbilt Stadium and the ongoing construction I did an interview earlier this week and somebody literally asked me, now I hear Vanderbilt's playing in a high school uh, stadium. I, I was like, no, that was some idiot on the internet that started a fake rumor. Dispel those rumors. There's there's construction going at the stadium, but the stadium can still, the field is fine, right? Like we're playing football on the field and, and everything's fine that from that realm.
1: Yeah, Uh People on the internet can be super stupid. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't really know what else to say. Uh, I'm sitting in our. I'm sitting in our football stadium radio, booth as we speak.
0: I mean, it's a construction
1: zone, man. Like, I think what 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 gets to me about it, and I think any Vanderbilt fan and any sane SEC fan is like, people have just pummeled this program for not investing in football. Four decades. Right. Four decades. Okay. So here's three four hundred million dollars to invest in the athletic program. A sizable chunk is going to football. What a ridiculous thing that they're. Pl- what do you want us to do? <laughs> we like it. It was a stadium that that has roots back to like the nineteen twenties. Part of the reason that this has taken so long is because of an antiquated plumbing system underneath the state like part of what took so long to get everything moving is specifically the north end zone they had to redo like all of the boring just like you know whatever like the stuff that you don't want to hear about the unsexy stuff they were redoing like let's yeah, start. let's talk, let's talk is, plumbing andrew you know i don't know this <laughs> is not my territory man but i know that they were reworking like the undergirds of the stadium for a long time, and you know, I, and the, I'm looking at it now, and and the last thing that I'll say is they've put up the pads behind the end zone. They look exactly they they if 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 no one had sent a picture out, nobody nobody would know that they weren't there. Like for the history of the stadium, they look normal and natural. They're black pads. They function much like an outfield fence. Uh, at a college baseball or professional baseball stadium, they are padded. They are designed to absorb impact. It is with the exact same amount of space as the restraining line that was always there, anyway. That's not different. It's it's tight, but like there's a lot of stadiums that are tight behind the end zone. Uh, we've we've got signage on the padded walls that they put up. We're we're. We're coming out onto the field a little bit different. Uh, we're using the baseball program's pitching lab as our locker room, six and one half dozen and whatever. Uh, the 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 visiting team will exit as as I'm looking at it, uh, sort of out the north side of the stadium, walk incredibly short across the street into this really well constructed tent that mirrors a golf hospitality center, uh, which is probably bigger than the space that they had previously at the stadium. So everything about this it's functional. It will, I, the people honestly that are the most impacted are the fans. Yeah. Uh, and, and I say that respectfully, it's just, it's going to take you a little bit longer to get to your seat than you would have a season ago. Um, but you know, I, I have voiced like several scripts instructing fans on how to get to their seats. If you park in this garage. So <laughs> we we've, we've, we've got the videos coming out. We've got the directions coming out. And, and from our fans, I think our fans, most of them understand the fact that this is what we've wanted for a long time. So you're going to, you're going to breathe and be patient through a year or two of headaches. And then we're going to be left with something pretty beautiful and remarkable and something that we at Vanderbilt can be proud of. Uh, so whatever I, the, people can be stupid on the internet. We'll play
0: football <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And it's almost like a parallel to the, You know what the program has has been since Clark Lee's got there. We're yeah. rebuilding. This is going to be awesome down the road. It's going to take a little bit of time, a little bit of discomfort now, but this is all going to pay off in the long run. And uh, kudos to Candace Story Lee. I know she's been fantastic since she's gotten there and helping fundraising. And uh, yeah, the future looks bright for Vanderbilt Athletics and we're excited. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, look, Andrew, we can't thank you enough for uh, your time and jumping on with us. And uh, hey, man, we're we're gonna have to get you on come basketball and baseball time because it sounds like Vanderbilt's gonna have something to say in those sports as well this year. So uh, can't thank you enough, man. Really appreciate it, and, and have a great call this weekend.
1: Hey, hey! When we start off, I don't know four and zero or six and zero. Feel feel free to bring me back for <laughs> football,
0: too. Chris. Well, absolutely. That's that's on the table now. Ask Kentucky and Florida how they feel. Uh, that, that's certainly yeah, no, on the I don't, table. I don't know
1: that we'll go four and zero or six and zero. I've got I've got no earthly idea, but. Uh, this program is going to be punching for a bowl game for sure.
0: Well, that's awesome. And and that's, uh, I was talking with some people at sec media today. So they say, wouldn't it be cool if everybody in the sec made a bowl game this year? It's it, it could happen. It certainly is a possibility. Uh, Andrew, uh, thanks so much for the time again, man. And uh, we will talk to you again real soon. All right.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
0: All right. That's uh, Andrew Allegretta there of the Vanderbilt Commodores. And, uh, he does a, uh, does a great job there. And, um, you know, he came from Tulane prior to this and, um, you know it's a tough spot to go into, and but look, it coincided with Clark Lee going in there, and um, they've been they've been building, getting better. Took a big step forward last year. Let's see if they take another step forward this year um, with Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt, Hawaii, week zero coming up this weekend. Can't wait, and uh, going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Uh, shout out to our everydayers checking us out every day on the show. We'll be back uh, tomorrow talking all things SEC football right here on your home for uh, talking all things SEC. Locked on SEC, you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.